Welcome to Influencer Business, where influencers get help with the hard stuff. Think of us as your business Bible. We're a team of influencers and entrepreneurs dedicated to bringing professional resources and infrastructure to our community. I'm Rich Scudelari, CEO of Trove. I'm an entrepreneur focused on helping influencers run and grow their businesses with the resources and information they need. I host this podcast as well as a live webinar called Office Hours, which takes place every Wednesday. Here, I dig deeper into each weekly topic and answer all of your most pressing questions. Our weekly podcast features guests from across the professional landscape, sharing their experiences and advice and answering questions from the Trove community, which you can submit on our website at www.trovebusiness.com. Welcome back to Influencer Business. I'm your host, Rich Gudlari. Extremely excited to have you here with us today. We have an awesome episode for you. We're being joined today by Zanita Whittington, one of the OGs in the influencer industry. Um, Zanita has had an incredible career. She originally is from a rural town in Australia, Western Australia, actually. And she got her start in the fashion industry as a model at the age of 15 and started documenting her experiences and really kind of blew up into into becoming one of the original influencers. If you recall, she was on that Lucky Magazine cover that had Kiara Ferrani and Nicole Warren from Gary Pepper Girl as well. So fast forward to today, Zanita lives in New York City and works as a photographer and creative director. She's the co-founder of a digital production company, GZ Digital. She has a career that spanned five continents. She's counted some of the most prestigious fashion and lifestyle brands in the world as her clientele and really has made her mark on the landscape as one of the most sought after creatives in the social and digital media world. So without any further ado, super excited to welcome Zanita Whittington to the podcast. Zanita, welcome to Influencer Business. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. forward to getting stuck into it. <laughs> so let's start from the beginning. Kind mm-hmm. of how did you get here, right? You started as a model, but talk to us about your background. Yeah, so I grew up on a farm in a really remote part of Australia and then I moved to Perth to go to university and then I signed with a modelling agency, dropped out of university and then moved to Sydney. And I did that for a couple years, maybe three or four years and then I... Exclusively uh, in Australia? I did it. I actually modelled in Germany and I modelled in London as well. Got it. So all over the world. It was quite an adventure actually. It wasn't... The thing about it, I'm a, I was a commercial model, which is like, mm-hmm. you know, wearing women's slacks and having a faux, like, child of my, like, a faux <laughs> daughter, having a fake husband. Yeah. Um, definitely, like, I was representing the older market and not the fashion market, which was what okay. I aspired to. And so I started my blog, uh, which is nearly 11 years ago now, as just my little outlet and my little way of being part of Mm-hmm. an industry and just part of a community that was interested in fashion and I could express my ideas because I used to spend so much time online just researching things I liked for no yeah. real purpose other than just my own interest and that's kind of how I started my blog. So the blog was actually an effort on your end to get more into the kind of a real fashion I would say as opposed to the kind of what did you call it the commercial more commercial yeah stuff? commercial modeling yeah. so it just like catalogs it's, it was definitely mm-hmm. like definitely targeted at an older market and sure just you know women's blouses and I, I wore a lot of things that were targeted at foot at like the 50 year old oh interesting. uh-huh um and so this is almost a portfolio for you then to yeah. show people what you could do your breath yeah and just you know expressing i i always prided myself in having a unique personal style i think yeah. that i my style was an amalgamation of references and i i didn't i didn't really dress like anyone else that mm-hmm. i knew and uh i just wanted to yeah you know, i 
took photos of myself in these weird outfits <laughs> and I just I was very resourceful. I didn't have any money, so I was yeah. just like collecting things and mm-hmm. and uh and yeah, and then um I wasn't even interested in photography at all actually. I Oh I, really? I had a I had a Sony Cybershot and it looked all my photos looked like I'd taken them just with a potato. They were like blurry <laughs> and ridiculous as well. Like I would jump around and yeah. they just looked so ridiculous my yeah. early photos, but I bought a ca- better camera cuz all my old peers in the mm-hmm. in this industry had really nice quality images. Yeah. And then once I had a better camera, I started sort of only doing it shooting in the sunset and mm-hmm. and then I started putting filters on the pictures. And then I kind of recognised that I could take a lot better pictures of someone else than myself because I, mm-hmm. I was I didn't have the confidence to get someone else to take my pictures for my blog. Oh, okay. And so they were all self-portraits. Oh, so I, you had the timer going and yeah, all that? Really? Yeah, it was really a hassle. Yeah, that I'd is a hassle. I'd cut my head off. I'd, I'd take like 30 <laughs> images and realise that I'd cut my head off in every single one of them. Oh, jeez. Um which, you know, it was just my little fun thing. Right. But then I one day I photographed one of my model friends and then I it was like an epiphany. And yeah. I'm just really grateful to have had that moment because up until then I was like, oh, will I become like a nutritionist or something to do in fitness because that's kind of what you yeah. get good at. Like <laughs> yeah, when sure. you're modelling, that's what you have to be focused on. So, yeah, I'm just really grateful that I was able to uh, put myself in a place where I could find the, a creative outlet because I was mm-hmm. a bright student at school and I definitely, I was going to, I was getting a commerce degree mm-hmm. but uh, I was never encouraged to do anything creative and now I know that I'm a creative person and yeah. that's my that's, that's my calling. So you were on mm. this track to kind of go down the nine to five route and do yeah. something more Oh, I would have done a corporate. terrible job of that. <laughs> really, I would have been a terrible But you didn't employee. know any better. And So how did the modeling thing come about? Well, I just, modeling, I'm six foot tall and yeah. I'm really slim and I just mm-hmm. had always been a fan of those, like these various like modeling competitions in my favorite like teen magazines and okay. things like that. And I was yeah. like, oh, you know, I'm really tall. And when I was 15, I think I sent away some really cheesy pictures of myself <laughs> to a, a modeling competition that yeah. was um, this woman who was a Australian Olympian had a range of pajamas and uh-huh. I wanted to be the face of those pajamas. You did. Pajamas. That was yeah. your first love in the modeling world? Maybe. I don't, I, and I sent away my pictures and I was a finalist and that kind of like gave me the hint that maybe I could, modeling could be an in for me. And sure. then, um, yeah, I got signed with a modeling agency in Perth and that they had an arm of their business in Sydney and then I was able to go to Sydney from there. Okay. I didn't do particularly well for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but until I went to Germany and then I realised that actually maybe I could make some better mm-hmm. money out of it and that kind of gave me the confidence, yeah. I guess, to try other things. Yeah. Because it's pretty – modelling is pretty harsh on your confidence, actually. I can imagine, yeah. I, I, when I started my blog, I used to get a lot of mothers and young women asking, like, oh, should I become a model? And yeah. I'm like, don't, don't. Don't do, do that. <laughs> don't do that. Don't yeah. encourage your daughters to do that because yeah. if – well, maybe. I mean, maybe if you've got that like one in a million kind of genetics and you sure. can do really You're well. You're Kaya Gerber, Cindy Crawford's daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Right? But, mm-hmm. you know, essentially it's a field where all your self-worth is measured around the way you look and yeah. you can't change your bone structure. So no matter how hard you work. Yeah. Like I, no matter how hard I worked, I was never going to be in vogue. Mm. So. Yeah. It's, it's crazy too that mentality because it's almost like, 
being the like a mediocre engineer at MIT. You are at the best, one of the best engineering schools in the U.S. and in the world. And you're an okay student at MIT compared to your peers, but you feel like a just a complete loser or, you know, you feel like you're just not achieving the way you should achieve despite the fact that you're in the top 1%. Right, exactly. Well, it's not like very... uh, Models are some women that I have found have had the lowest body confidence of any women I've come across. It's it's brutal. It's so brutal. Um, And I'm even... It's only been in the last... I'm 32 and it's probably only been in the last four or five years where I've really stopped giving a shit about my body type or... Anything like I'm, I mean, I'm, I definitely have nothing really to complain about in that re- regard, but just, just not letting that be a factor in my happiness. Well, yeah, and it's hard because you're this is your this was your job for so long, mm. and it it's also this it's it's how you measure kind of your income, it's how you measure your self worth. It's like, where have I where do I end up? What calls am I getting back? What jobs am I going to? Yeah. And so you get so wrapped up into it that you don't give yourself any perspective because you're in it yeah and just constant the constant rejection you're just being tapped down a notch every single day right and i mean that's kind of prepared me a Mm -hmm. a lot for this like just also just not being invested in every pitch that i have like well it's not really that i'm not invested it's more just like you know it might not go through and i'll be like all right next thing yeah kind of thing which that's i guess that's one good takeaway that i had from it Mm -hmm. but Brutal, and that's why I'm like, well, I don't really care for my daughters to, if I have daughters, <laughs> to, <laughs> to, uh, yeah, to get into that, and rather than yeah. have something that they can um, grow, yeah, and, like have it be part of them, yeah, sure, long term, more long term, mm-hmm. and maybe a little less on the negativity, yeah, and a little bit more yeah. on the positivity. I mean, sure. I think it, I actually think it's changed a lot these days, but where like models are able to empower themselves with social media, but in the same token, social media. I find that I have to take step back from social oh, yeah. media. Mm-hmm. Even now, I'm I just just stressful, depressing. I had to yep. delete Twitter the other day because I'm like, I can't, really? can't read it anymore. Yeah, it's hurting me. That's. I think you're right. I think kind of the what modeling was ten years ago is certainly kind of what Instagram is now. Yeah, and not Instagram, not just Instagram, but Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever. You're going to find trolls wherever. Because quite honestly, what it comes down to is they're not happy themselves. And so they kind of make themselves feel better in a perverted way by tearing somebody else down. Yeah, it's this like outlet for people venting their frust, like it's their faux outrage. Yeah, right. So you started modeling, did a lot in Europe, and then mm-hmm. started taking photos of some of your friends, and that's kind of where you hit it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, that's. I actually just think that I was lucky that I got in so early. Yeah, and like I feel like if I did this, had the same pattern of like, you know, took the same steps and it was even three or four years later, yeah. I definitely wouldn't have had the, uh, the same modicum of success that mm-hmm. I had. I just was in, you know, it was not very competitive when I started out at all. As a photographer, you mean? No, or just as a model? The, the influencer oh, space. The influencer. Yeah, so talk to us a little bit about that. You said you were taking photos of your friends, mm-hmm. but you became one of the early premier influencers, right? You were yeah. on the Lucky Magazine cover with Kiara mm-hmm. and Nicole Warren, right? Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Um, who actually is one of your good friends. Yeah, really, You photographed really her friend. wedding, didn't you? Uh, no, I attended or her wedding. You attended her wedding, but you photographed her for... I recently um, photographed her for a Ralph Lauren, Ralph Lauren. project. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, that's no, right. We, I've done actually a lot of things with her over the yeah. course of our... Yeah, she, it's been amazing to see her mm-hmm. excel. Like, she's very 
very um she has a singular idea of what she wants to do and yeah. i definitely don't have that same ability i'm a bit sure. more like mm-hmm. freestyling yeah well both work out extremely well as we've seen you know both in her example and your example mm-hmm. but so you started taking the photos and then you you became how did you transition into being quote unquote an influencer it was basically just that i had i started to get i had a transition phase where i was able to get modeling work and then also work as an influencer and then mm-hmm. the influence influencer stuff started to i got to a point where that was able to support me enough mm-hmm. and i could have continued to do both yeah but i just wanted to pursue being an influencer sure. because it was something that i could work harder and get better yeah. at rather than just i'm not i had already kind of you know, I'm, I'm, I was a commercial model. I could just keep doing catalog. I could sure. just do different catalogs around yeah. the world. And it was like, it's not really new. It's great to work with new people all the time. Sure. But I'm not. It felt like the same thing. Myself. And you were looking for, you know, a mm. way to grow personally and creatively, it sounds exactly. like. And so was the first big kind of quote unquote network your blog? Is, or was it Twitter? Was it Instagram? Was Definitely it, my blog. It was your blog. Definitely yeah. my blog. Mm-hmm. And then Instagram was a bit later. I was a bit slow to kind of catch on to Instagram and the importance of it. I remember um, I had a friend that was like, yeah, Instagram's a full-time job. And I'm like, that's fucking bullshit. <laughs> that sounds stupid. <laughs> that sounds stupid. Yeah. <laughs> but I regret even having that attitude because I feel like I could have tapped into to it a bit better. Mm-hmm. But still, I don't think that I'm naturally adept at Instagram because I don't. I, I know the strategies very, very well. Yeah. But I'd rather, like, I'd rather put up my best work and not the work that appeals to best to Instagram. Sure, yeah. So. Um, but I think there's room for that. And I think, yeah. I think that's really important for people to hear. Yeah. Because you've been wildly successful and you haven't kind of followed the codified laws of Instagram and the industry in general. Yeah, well, I wrote a blog post about something like this. Um, it was probably like four or five years ago now, maybe even longer, um, about uh, it was called like how to be super popular, yeah. on, like <laughs> how to get famous yeah. basically online. Uh-huh. And essentially my analogy was that if you're like if you're a musician mm-hmm. and you write folk music, you're never going to be... Ariana Grande Mm -hmm. and you should never want to be that, you know, because you only want to appeal to the people that like your style of folk music. So in order for you to be Ariana Grande, you have to have music like her and that's not, that's not what's true to your, your style. So you just kind of, uh, if you can just have peace with the fact that if you're doing, if you're doing your best work and 10 people are into you, treasure those 10 people. Right. And that's, that's your market. Like that's your, because mm-hmm. you, you want to be creating work that you're proud of and it's part of you. And, and, yeah. and as long as you're doing that, you'll always be content and happy and, yeah. and improve. And mm-hmm. But as soon as you start to be like, okay, well, I have to do this formula. I mean, you know, there's plenty of people that have had success in this field that they're motivated by the reward of it, sure, which is yeah. like the likes and the like, mm-hmm. the, yeah. you know, the, the prestigious clients right, and like right. hundreds and thousands of people. Yeah. But I just, I, I can't do that. Yeah. And I think a lot of people can't do that. Like, yeah. I think it's not natural for people mm-hmm. to seek fame for fame's sake. Yeah. And has that been something that's developed over time in your own personal, or is that something that you've had from the beginning? I think it's something that I had from the beginning and I was, and I've just been able to articulate it and being yeah. able to see, like to being able to recognize what it was has helped me become more satisfied with the idea that I'm not really competing against anyone else but myself. Yeah. And also just seeing like my friends kind of fall victim to comparisons 
mm. and and just like I never yeah. really have made comparisons of myself. Yeah, that's really healthy. Yeah. Because yeah. otherwise you just get trapped in this box where all you're doing is looking what everybody else is doing and saying, yeah. and thinking about where am I falling short? Yeah. Which is, you know, a terrible way to live. Well, I, I, it's crazy. You know, I've had so many of my close, even my closest friends who are influencers say like, oh, this girl worked with this client and she's got 300,000 less followers than I do. Mm-hmm. I'm like, but... I mean, what, maybe they just like her photographs. I mean, isn't right. that something that, that should be rewarding to you in, in, in realising it because it's more like actually maybe just what I'm doing is, is important as opposed to just the, the numbers. Number. Right. And, and, yeah, I think that that's a liberating concept to embrace. Yeah, and I think that's especially important for people to understand, particularly as you start out, because there are a lot of people now, this is a legitimate career path. Yeah. Build a following and monetize it, right? And too many people are thinking about, okay, what's the formula to get there? The really, the reality is the formula is to love what you do because otherwise you're going to get burnt out and we'll get yeah. to that in a second. But also find your niche and just embrace it. And don't be, don't be looking around because if you're looking around, you're going to be so demotivated. Yeah. Because the other thing is you never know what goes on behind the scenes. You never know why somebody's chosen for something. There are always different reasons. People, the brands, agencies, retailers all work with different people for different reasons. Exactly. And you just have to embrace the work that you have. The way I learned about this was that, you know, I've worked with countless clients over the course of my career and the number of them that actually asked for the statistics and the data behind what we've, what the project yeah. is like, I mean, it might not be the same for everyone, but it's, I, I would say there's more that don't ask than there yeah. is that do. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just because they are happy to be part of like what you're making and yeah. they're part of your message. And, mm-hmm. and, and for, for them, it's more like it doesn't, it doesn't matter as much. And the yeah. other thing is that it's changed a lot where brands kind of recognize that the costs are sh- ton of money to make content themselves yeah yeah so if they can get someone else to make it and then it gets to go on these two channels instead like Mm -hmm. it's it's valuable let's talk about that for a second because you actually have a really good understanding of both sides of the equation Mm -hmm. this is something that a lot of influencers perhaps don't think about but brands get a ton of leverage from them because when i ask an influencer to a photo shoot they come up with the look they scout the location they find somebody to shoot it they do the post-production editing and then they actually post it so they have followers that see it as well. How much would that photo shoot, obviously it depends, but let's say that I wanted to get six different shots, right, of an influencer wearing an outfit or a model mm-hmm. wearing an outfit. How much would that cost? One outfit, how much would that cost on the brand side to do? I mean, this is something that I kind of know innately because I was a model. Right. And, like, this is how I was actually able to – I was able to build my own rates and things based on something else that came out of the fashion industry because I know that the ma- – like, this is minimum rates. Like, a yeah. makeup artist should get $500. The hairstyle – Sorry, per day? Yeah, per day. Okay, the, $500 a day. Yeah, like, the hairstylist should get paid something similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, a stylist, maybe more depending on, like, the, right. the scope of it. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, a photographer, even more than that, can be like, you know, fa- uh, fashion photographers for commercial brands will get paid you know, $10,000 up, sure. a, a really good one. Yeah. And and then so for an influencer who's honed in their skills and produces this content that looks like pro- professional fashion imagery, imagery yeah. the brand is saving all of that cost and then also getting a marketing... And getting like, distribution. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's, it's something that I think... Um, a lot of influencers don't really take into account. And it's, it's been a bit damaging, I think, for 
successful influencers in the, in the sense yeah. that it kind of has devalued the cost of that for them and then also the cost of that for other people in the industry as well that have mm-hmm. that as their profession. Yeah, I mean, when you say devalue, what do you mean by that? Well, because if the, if the brand can get a, these images without the cost of the makeup artist and that type of right. thing, then the, suddenly the makeup artist is worthless. Yeah, well, yes, that it, it certainly reduces kind of the opportunity for the makeup artists. Um, but I, I think that, the you know, when it comes to the those type of productions certainly but i think it's interesting from an influencer's perspective to think about how much you're actually bringing to the brand yeah it it because now you guys have a studio of your own Mm -hmm. that you do this for brands Mm -hmm. and so but you guys have positioned yourself in a really interesting space where you're not charging you know an arm and a leg you know but you're not charging bottom barrel you're right in this sweet spot exactly we're in a place where we're like very nimble you know, right. I've I've had a lot of experience of like being able to produce things pretty lean, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I'm still I think that I'm still being pretty fair and like of what course. I charge, and then also like you mm-hmm. know not not undercutting other professionals in my in the right. that that space. Mm-hmm. Um, it's mostly just that actually there's been uh, we cut out the cost of the PR agencies and things like uh, that too, yeah. like because they just charge such an arm and a leg on mm-hmm. top of these projects. Right. Um, and sometimes it's warranted. Sometimes maybe in a little less warranted. It really just depends. Some agencies are amazing and they're really good at what they do. And other folks are just harvesting relationships that they have and tacking on a 20 or 25% fee on top of it. Yeah. It's it's fascinating to see how the industry has really evolved. And as somebody who's been there for you know quite a while now, basically since she was 15, um, it it must feel like just a vastly different landscape than it was when you first got started. Yeah, it's definitely vastly different, uh, but it's something that I've... It's not like I was like, oh, this was the point where it all kind of changed. I just yeah. sort of stead, like saw it steadily evolve. Mm-hmm. And there are some, some things that are much better. You know, yeah. when I started out, people... Uh, the fact that I had a, like I have such a good audience, especially compared to uh, even like publications based in Australia, like right. I had such a comparable audience, mm-hmm. and uh, it was not valued at all. Like I would be lucky yeah. to get paid anything at all for what I did right. when I first started. Yeah, um, you know, and and to be fair, I don't think that I was as skilled in the in production. I don't think I was. Yeah, but you, you were know. just getting started. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just think it was just really undervalued and actually all my biggest clients when I started out were overseas. The Australian market was very slow to catch on. Actually, it was sure. mostly just the only markets that were fast were, the, I mean, the States really and yeah. maybe the UK. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Sweden actually. Mm-hmm. Sweden was like the birthplace of fashion bloggers, I would say. <laughs> Interesting. Mm. And have uh, has that stayed true? Or is Sweden still a hotbed for? Uh, I think it is, but the rest of the rest of the world is kind caught of caught up. up. Yeah, I would say mm-hmm. so. And also, it's like it's not really any one place because, like, so many of the biggest influences I know are just like I wouldn't even say that they're based anywhere. They right. just yeah. move constantly. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's exhausting. <laughs> so exhausting. I, I've done. I did so much travel, especially at five or six years ago. I did so much travel, and now I'm like, it better be damn good for me to want right. to get. Well, talk to us a little bit more about this evolution. I'm particularly interested from the business side because a lot of people kind of stumble into this influencer thing. It's becoming more of a a career path, but 
yourself. You stumbled into it. Yeah. But you've been able to maintain a really wonderful business despite changing the type of business that you were running. So initially it was modeling and then it was blogging, then it was influencing. And then now it's you're on the production side of things. So talk a little bit about how you've been able to evolve your own creative outlets and still maintain the business side of things. Well, I think that it is largely in part to um, I work with my business partner, Gustavo. I think we've been working together for five or six years and I put I largely credit his business acumen and strategy to mm-hmm. uh, the success that I have today. I mean, I've, I'm just like not um, particularly, I mean, you know, I think I'm a lot better at it, but mm-hmm. especially when I started, I have no business acumen. Like I mm-hmm. was, I, I def, we, when he, when I first started working with him, I probably, in terms of income, I reckon we probably made 700% more the following year. Like oh, it wow. was it was yeah. crazy. It was sure. like I just never – I didn't even feel like I was working harder. It was more just – Yeah. And the lesson for that is don't go on – you don't have to go hunt down Gustav. It's yeah. more just like if you can't do something well, you should outsource it. And yeah. I think that a lot of creatives are like hesitant to invest in something like that. Yeah. They're like, oh, well, that costs a lot. You know, I had a friend who works in um, video and mm-hmm. – um, he was like, oh, well, you know, it costs like a few hundred bucks for like a Vimeo and all of these yeah, things. Yeah. It's like this is your field. Like yeah, you right. have to invest in that. You should get a good accountant. You know, yeah. if you if you can get an agent, get an agent mm-hmm. so that you can just do the things that you do well because everything yeah. that you can't do well takes so much more time from you because yeah. you avoid it. Mm-hmm. You know, like I avoid so much like <laughs> – like all the stuff that you hate administration yeah yeah, just nonsense so i'd it's much it's much better for me to invest in getting someone to to do that yeah i think that's really a really important point something that we harp on a lot at trove um we have this partners portal where we try to give influencers access to the best resources that kind of deal with the stuff that you don't want to deal with, mm. right? Your core competency is not doing your taxes, yeah. right? It's not you doing your monthly bookkeeping, oh. right? No, it's not. And so you yeah. need to find somebody who can do that for you, exactly, right? And uh, I think it, it, the partnership piece of that is very important. You don't, you can't be, po- you can't possibly be good at everything. It's just not yeah. possible. There are too many things in this world uh, that you just, it's not possible. And so finding somebody who you're compatible with who maybe can do the things you either don't like or aren't good at is incredibly important because that'll actually allow you and your creative abilities to kind of grow and prosper in ways that they wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah, I mean, I can't guarantee that this is something that's going to make other people money, but my experience right. has just been like if you outsource things that you that, that are going to take a lot of time and you aren't good at, mm-hmm. you, you will have like also just like the the – um, what's it called? The mental you free yourself of a mental load. Yeah, exactly. That is is you probably aren't even aware of what a burden that is. 100%. And and once you free yourself of that type of mental load, you're gonna do. You can do better things. You can reach right. out to more clients. You, you you even can come up with better ideas and just yeah. be better at what you because do. Because you're free of yeah. that burden. I only bring it up because we we were talking about it beforehand, um, and it's just very timely. But imagine you didn't spend any time worried about your taxes, right? Like, you know how much time, effort, and just general angst that would save you? It's, it's, it's incredible. And so things like that, you think about, well, it takes me 15 hours. Yes, it might take you just 15 hours, but it actually costs you like 30 or 45 hours of just worry, Anxi- yeah. consternation, anxiety. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's, 
I know. I'm like, let's stop talking about taxi. <laughs> <laughs> well, bringing in another example, yeah. for instance, like professional athletes. There's a reason they have yeah. agents. The athletes aren't negotiating their own contracts because they're supposed to be working out. They're supposed to be getting ready for the season or playing the season. They have ta- they have agents. They have accountants. They have business managers to handle all that stuff. And they're not scheduling photo shoots. Like- and there's and actually there's a lot to be said for um, you know say you are actually pretty good at negotiating mm-hmm. and and like the business side of things. Yeah. You can you can you can cover the gamut. It actually just looks better to have someone it does, yeah. speaking for you. It yeah. makes you look more impressive. Yeah. I know, I, like, I have a number of my friends who actually have like a Stacy or something that they, <laughs> that, that it's like their their faux assistant that sure. replies to things, and it's like, oh yeah, no, she's going to get back to you. She's very busy at this time. I know it's just it's just them. <laughs> it's just them replying and just like yeah. kind of. Um, but yeah, it's just to like make you like seem impressive because there's so much. Uh, in the especially in the fashion side of things, it's all about appearances. Yeah, I mean, appearances. That's yeah. The whole industry is built up on right. the the elite. Yeah. You know, like, and so if you can kind of play that game a little bit, yeah, it's an advantage. It is an advantage. <laughs> it also actually, uh, from a tactical perspective, it's. I was early on um, in my career, I worked in an investment bank, and one of the things that we did was we negotiated on behalf of companies, especially in an acquisition, because the company who's acquiring the other company can't be the the asshole. They can't be the ones, you know, wrangling for price and pushing back on things because they have to work with these people, right? It's the same thing in this industry, right? If you're negotiating your contract and you're sticking on points and you're toeing the line and being tough because that's what you got to be. Yeah. You turn up to the job and there's yep. all the bad vibes. And there's all the bad vibe. Whereas if it's Stacy, yeah. you know, your assistant who's doing the negotiating. And you can turn up manager, all cheerful like. Yeah, and you can be like, oh, you know, I'm sorry about Stacy. She's kind of a stickler for the details. And, yeah, that. You know, but hey, I'm so excited to be here. It gives <laughs> you a little bit of distance yeah. from that. So it's it's actually not only does it play to the appearances, but it also can help tactically when mm-hmm. you have to like work with these people. Yeah, it's a bit cheeky, but I think <laughs> I think it works out I, on all on all sides. Just don't screw up. Don't accidentally send the email from the wrong or sign off on, with the wrong name. Yeah. <laughs> That's always the risk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you started out in modeling. You started the blog. That grew really fast. Influencing became kind of your deal. But you took a step back from that and have refocused yeah. on, on so, something new. I mean, after, you know, 15 years, I, you know, I was explaining this before. I'm just really sick of my own stupid face. <laughs> I've had, I just, I'm just so, I get so annoyed. I'm like, look at this idiot. It's just, I'm bored. I, I'm bored of it. And then the other thing is that reality is at 32, it's not something you can keep doing until you're 45. Actually, I mean, that's kind of a lie because I've found plenty of influences sure. like that are, yeah. have all types of age range, but I guess it's more just like I am not motivated by that anymore. But I yeah. still have this skill set that I've been honing over all this time and especially on the brand side of things, I can um, use all of my connections with influencers and yeah. produce the kind of content because I'm constantly exposed to the strategies and mm-hmm. I'm, all, I'm just constantly following it, um, especially with Instagram, which is definitely the key, the most important um, social channel these days. Uh, so, yeah, now I'm... Now I'm um, working in production, mm-hmm. and with has, uh, and and your new company is called. It's called GZ Digital. Mm-hmm. And what's the what's the focus? What's the mission? Uh, I, it's really just 
helping brands make content, particularly for for social media and mm-hmm. just using our um, you know wide understanding of like how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, operating really nimble and uh, you know being able to help brands because it costs them. You know, just to formulate, just to say, work with a lot of influ- influencers and curate a bunch of content. It's it's very hard for them to use that content to um, to create a consistent look on their yeah, channels. Sure. And mm-hmm. we kind of like help to bridge that gap where we can make it look consistent, mm-hmm. like make it quickly, yeah. and get all the right people involved and help them make a lot of content because it's just this like machine that constantly yeah. needs to be it's fed. It's like a hamster on the wheel. It never mm. stops. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of what we're up to. Awesome. And mm. so taking a step back here, you've done all of these different things, right? You've kind of seen your career change as your creative ideas and initiatives have changed and your creative uh, juices have led you in different directions. How do you avoid... Kind of, the, you've talked about this on your blog before. How do you avoid the burnout? How do you avoid the guilt? How do you deal with that? Oh, you know, it's something that I even feel even recently I've been in the mires of that. It's, yeah. it's like it just kind of pops its head up every yeah. now and then. And it's like, I think it's almost just kind of take a step back every now and then. I mean, yeah. I've found that social media, even just like my phone in general, yeah. like having my damn mobile phone in my life all the time, <laughs> I, I realise that it's actually, you know, like one of those, it, it being addicted to your phone is really, mm-hmm. really unhealthy. And I, yeah. you know, I've been addicted to my phone like since iPhones became a thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just kind of have to be aware of how damaging that is to me. Yeah. And then just simple things like obviously trying to exercise more. And, yeah. and, and But then um, something I've learned from my boyfriend, he um, he kind of works in a, sim- in a creative field that a li- little bit different, but he um, went to an art school and is like really keen on going to art shows and things. So for me to go to like cr- go um, now to creative spaces and see what people are doing and kind of, Get your ideas from somewhere else, other yeah. than just the, the, the like self perpetuating like right. You know, keep seeing this. I just keep seeing the same thing over and over in the fashion yeah. industry, and uh, that's been really helpful to find new ideas. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's it's it is just a kind of a constant struggle. I mean, I think that um. I, yeah, I, it is tough. I uh, think or just being able to talk about it actually instead yeah. of getting bogged down in it, talking sure. to people around me. Actually, I found that being a mentor has been really helpful in that capacity really? and, okay. and finding, you know, I, you know, being like one of the early adopters of this, I'm a bit older than a lot of my peers and, sure. and I go and talk to them and encourage them and through even just encouraging them, I kind of find things in myself. Yeah. Um, so that's been pretty helpful. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, I think that's fantastic. I, one of the big pitfalls, I think, of this Instagram society is that we look at one place for our inspiration and not getting out of that and actually seeing the other places where amazing content is being created, you know, whether it's in the streets, right? Yeah. Whether it's you know, street artists, whether it's fine art, whatever it might be. Yeah. And what, even if it's in a different medium, you know, going to a Broadway show or seeing, you know, experiencing art in a different form can really regenerate and provide you with new ideas that you can then bring to your own medium or yeah. get you to jump outside of your 
original medium and move into video or move into music or exactly and we were talking about earlier you're it sounds like you're learning how to play the guitar oh, yeah. and singing a little bit yeah. more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's been something that actually just having an out, a creative outlet that's nothing to do with yeah. with what I do. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I mean, I'm actually I'm obsessed with playing the guitar. I'm so grateful to have found it. It kind of reminds me of the feeling that I had when I first discovered photography. I just was so grateful to have found it and I never... Felt when I when I started to to take pictures of other people, I never was like, oh, I'm gonna make money out of this. I yeah. was just like, my it would make my heart race, and I mm-hmm. kind of have found that, and I'm just really grateful yeah. with guitar, with playing guitar and sure. and singing and that, that kind of thing. But probably something else that I've gained more uh, recently, like in the last two three years, is I've changed my perspective about what Instagram is because it's really easy to buy into the tropes and like I. People have, especially in media and like, you know, the negative articles about Mm. influences and things that have come up about, you know, they're just like photographing their breakfast and taking outfits and Instagram isn't that anymore. I I used to get asked about what social media was going to become and I was always like, it's just going to get better. It's going to be better quality. You're going to see brilliant people Mm -hmm. and that's exactly what I have seen um, in in this medium and I follow thousands of people on Instagram. Oh, really? Yeah, Yeah. and there's no... It's like probably in a bunch of categories but it's artists and and it's people that are activists and it's people... And and it, and it kind of has helped me change the uh, my idea of what my Instagram needs to be, mm-hmm. and in that sense, I, I give Instagram a lot more credit. I, I for a long time I was I never really thought that it was a very aspirational place. Yeah, and sure. now I have have rediscovered that it is, mm-hmm. and so um, just by kind of you know how it recommends yep. things to follow for sure. Kind, I found that because I now I follow so many different accounts, I'm constantly exposed to it's like sure. amazing digital artists and and yeah. tattoo artists and mm-hmm. and um, yeah, just the, the people that have important messages and yeah, and it's just become a lot more satisfying. So my feed is not definitely I. It's kind of I'll come across an influencer like one in twenty. Sure, yeah, and and that's been really helpful for mm-hmm. me in terms of just my exposure to what what. Uh, what can be what's impo- what's impactful on social media, yeah. and then what uh, what are how I can use social media? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's even within Instagram, a singular app. I think there's so many different dimensions to it. Whether you're talking about is it Instagram, the feed of images, is it stories, is it Instagram TV? Like, what is the medium that they're using on Instagram? Plus what are they doing, right? Am I following a comedian? Is it a meme account? Is it an artist? Is it a content creator? Is it an influencer, right? Isn't that, there's so much. I think that Instagram is as as important and as diverse as TV mm-hmm. is. Cause yeah. I, and I think that people spend as much time on Instagram as oh, they more. do. Yeah, they, I mean, they have to spend more. Yeah, and on numbers, Instagram as, as, yeah. as they do watching TV. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's quite as impactful as maybe watching a whole TV show because you get like such a longer form of messaging and, True, and, yeah. and it's like, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just, I think it it should, you, if you think of it as something that should be valued, then I think you put more value in what you put onto it as well. Yeah. And, and you respect yourself more and you respect sure. the work that you put on that more. Yeah. So for somebody who's an aspiring influence or somebody who's like starting out and this is what they want to do, what pieces of advice would you have for them? I mean, that's pretty unique because to aspire to be an influencer, I, I, 
what what are they what are they asking? You know, mm-hmm. are they ask did you just want to be famous for fame's sake? I mean it's mm-hmm. I think that well, let's I take, don't really have let's an ed- take your original industry. Let's take fashion. Yeah. Okay, what if I want to be a fashion influencer, right? What are the tips you'd have for me? I think it's really out? about defining your identity and like yeah. and exploring what makes your ideas unique mm-hmm. and not focusing on the numbers and the yeah. strat like the what mm-hmm. it, it's like I think you just got to let it be. Mm-hmm. And then um just consider that Instagram is a portfolio and then yeah. just even if you've got 30 followers, you can still reach out to brands and say, here's my portfolio on on Instagram because brands, it is very expensive for them to make original content and they still might want to enlist you if you're making cool and original content. Yeah. And suddenly you've got you know, a brand that might have a million followers right. connected, showcasing your work. Right. Um, so in that sense, it's almost reverted back to what's something more traditional, like in the way that a photographer might send their right. portfolio. Yeah. I think that the number, you know, if you, you know, one day it might get big and popular, mm-hmm. but I think that reputation and talent mm-hmm. are still extremely valid points and I and extremely valuable and get anything else getting wrapped up in anything else is is just like you know just waiting for the for it to rain or something you can't control that yeah I completely agree and I think another thing that you should do especially early on is really experiment you experimented a lot in your over the course of your career still experimenting and and it's led you to some amazing places and you're continuing to find new things that you're excited about yeah i think far too often people create the idealized version of what it is that they want to be and they don't give themselves the opportunity to look left and look right along that path Um, because even like we were talking about earlier even on instagram there are different ways to be really compelling right it could be video it could be video or excuse me it could be images it could be video it could be long form video on instagram tv it could be short term like some people People I follow just for their Instagram stories. Yeah. Right. Some people I follow because I love their images. Some people I follow because they have awesome IGTV stuff. Even on one small platform, there's so many dimensions. Uh, and giving yourself that grace to experiment and not worrying about the numbers, taking that out of the equation, not having that hang over your head, I think will unleash a huge amount of creativity. I think so. And and, and I think that so many people uh, look, they, they, put so much um, weight in the quantity over the quality. And, Mm -hmm. you know, this is a space that's filled with noise and just Mm -hmm. invest in meaning. Yeah. You know, because Mm -hmm. that's that's long-lasting. Yeah, that's absolutely right, yeah. And I think, you know, some people kind of attempt to be part of it without really looking into, like, what they're adding. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's it's just it's to the detriment of the whole platform when yeah. people put shit on there. It's just <laughs> like, I, find, I, I find that to be the case with these meme accounts. It's the same thing being used across 10 different meme accounts. Mm. Now, I think a lot of them are being run by the exact same people. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's that is slightly Blizzard different. people. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who it is, but they uh, I'm seeing a lot of repetition. Um but yeah, I think that's absolutely right. Think about what you're putting back out there and what the purpose is. Yeah. And like you said, if you have 30 people who follow you, those are your 30 people, embrace them. Yeah. And all it takes is one. That's the other thing. Right. You never know who's going to stumble across or who's going to share or who's going to comment and and that could lead to something that you didn't even dream of. Maybe you thought, oh, I'm going to be an influencer, have hundreds of thousands of followers and get paid to promote 
all these brands, but all of a sudden a photography studio comes along and says, Hey, we really love your aesthetic. Do you want to come work for us? We've got these amazing, you know, brands that we were, you just never know how the, you know, what path it's going to lead you down. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I think that it's like, it's about just putting a bit more soul into it, you know, in a space where it's just, I don't know, it gets a bit gross sometimes, just the amount of yeah. crap. And people and, aren't stupid either. That's yeah. the thing. Like if you don't put any soul into it, people can tell pretty quickly. And, uh, you know, that's to your own detriment. Yeah. So you're not enjoying it. It's, it, you know, you either are just kind of carbon copying something else. Uh, and then, you know, also people can tell. And so whereas, you know, when you put something out there, you're proud of it. You're excited. I saw the most recent set of photos um, you did the, who, who was in it? The Suarez sisters were in it. The, um, oh, you did yeah. like a series of three. Well, I did, I, I did, I actually, um, did a series. I, um, took photographs at a Delvo, Delvo event for mm-hmm. Delvo, yeah. um, which is a, um, luxury leather goods brand. Um, actually the oldest one in the world. Fun fact. Really? Yeah. Based out of oh, Belgium. Wow. And, awesome. uh, I, instead of just posting them, yeah. I like made these faux movie posters. Yeah, from like the, the, like the 70s or? Yeah, like, I kind yeah. of referenced like kind of, yeah, movie posters from the 70s. I'm not a graphic designer, so they weren't like perfect. They were great. One of them, I think one of them was particularly good and the other two were, were a bit ho-hum. But mm-hmm. um, it's just more just like I just explored that. The one thing I actually did, I posted them on a Friday night, which is mm-hmm. a really stupid move. But I was just <laughs> like, oh, I just want to post them. Like I yeah. just... Yeah. So, uh, well, it's funny because you posted them. I only saw one of the three. I posted them all at once as well, which yeah. is also a no no. You should yeah. wait like two hours. At but least. it was it's so like- shocking to me to see that aesthetic. And I was like, oh, I haven't seen this in forever. And so I clicked and then I went to see the other three. And I think that goes to your point. Like if you're putting stuff out there that's adding to the conversation, like right. it'll get people's attention. Well, my my theory is that if you put something down surpri- that's so surprising and so interesting, that yeah. people will come and look at the rest of the, your things. Right. And yeah. that's kind of what I find with what I'm mm-hmm. doing. It's like I just want to constantly put things that are challenging i also did another series of what like quite a while ago that was called shit shit jokes oh yeah shit jokes yeah and it wasn't like a big hit (laughs) it it wasn't a big hit but i just the people that liked it really liked it yeah yeah, and i just was like well that's great like i just i want to find things within my niche and even if it's a tiny amount of people that that Mm -hmm. follow me but if they but they really noticed it and they went and watched other ones yeah um so that was just fun. I liked it. And yeah. I know a lot of people will like, it's kind of a good strategy to like remove posts that have done really badly. Sure. I'm like, no, all, for me, and this is this is why I'm not awesome at Instagram, it's like <laughs> this is just my stuff and I'm proud of it. Yeah. And I don't care if it didn't fit the formula. Sure. Um, but you know, if you do, if you do want to get good at Instagram, maybe you should care a little more. There are different strategies. I think, I think you're right because it is a portfolio. What type of portfolio you're trying to build is Mm. the question. And you're trying to build a very different portfolio than somebody else. And so if somebody's trying to say, I'm a highly engaged influencer, I get a ton of traffic, I get a ton of engagement, uh, on all of my posts, like, yeah, maybe archiving some things is the way to go. But for you, this is me. You're right. This is my portfolio. This is my range of things, either yeah. things I'm interested in. And and so there's, I think there's room for everybody, right? Yeah. And I think it's more like, this is just my experience. Yes. And there are other formulas mm-hmm. in it that, that work as well. Sure. And there are other ways that you can approach it. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess just my message is that you make what you love and then yeah. you'll never be unhappy. Right. Uh, 
with yeah. with the results because like so mm-hmm. many people get dejected by what mm-hmm. they put out there and they second guess it and it's like well just make cool stuff and just yeah. hope for the best I yeah. guess. Yeah. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. I guess it's easy for me to say because I also like we've had the good fortune of being in in it for so long. You definitely have more perspective, I think, yeah. than most people do. I think a lot of people are still kind of feel like they're scrambling a little bit trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have the benefit of time in the industry and having some good perspective. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So, what's next for Zanita? So, you obviously have the studio. Yes. You're now singing and playing the guitar. Yeah. So, you know, maybe I'll start doing some gigs. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you know, I think it's something I'm constantly trying to expose myself to new things. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to like wake up one day and go like, oh, that's it. I'm going to be a recording artist. (laughs) Um, You never know though. Well, it's, it's more like I think that one, I think, the fact that I get so much joy and am fed so much creatively out of one kind of informs the other. For sure, yeah. As well. And it just, you know, part of being an influencer is that you kind of have to tell, like your story is kind of part of it. Yeah. And just being richer in that regard mm-hmm. and being inspired is is yeah. pretty essential. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always found, and so I'm obviously not an influencer, my wife is, but I've always found I really get a ton of joy out of going to these events and going to and meeting people and being in different situations because everybody's so multidimensional. So you might get a gig mm-hmm. playing uh, acoustic guitar and singing at a bar or whatever it might be, and you're going to come across somebody you'd never in a million years have come across otherwise, and they're going to enrich your even just your perspective, maybe not your career, but your perspective in ways yeah. that you hadn't imagined and open your eyes up to opportunity. Uh, yeah. You know, and I think that's really valuable. I mean, I think especially living in New York, you kind of see all these people that have a bunch of different monikers. And, and yeah. actually it's like one thing that I find influencers really struggle with is what to call themselves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like am I an entrepreneur or am right. I a blogger? Am I an influencer? Am mm-hmm. I a stylist? Am right. I just like a fashion internet person? Yeah. I don't I don't know. But, you know, and some some – some people are just brilliant stylists and can yeah. kind of go down that avenue mm-hmm. and some people are like brilliant at curation of imagery and, and, and um, you know, it's almost like kind of graphic design and mm-hmm. and a lot of different things and I think it's more like don't box yourself in. Yeah. Like as soon as you realise, actually, you know, I'm getting pretty good at this, like I'm mm-hmm. going to explore this zone. Yeah. Um, Take advantage of it. Go yeah, for it. Yeah, go for it. Give and, yourself a little leeway. Yeah, and, and constantly continue to try and learn something. I've watched like tons of, you know, I taught myself how to use Photoshop and I'm te- yeah. right now I'm teaching myself to, how to use Resolve, which is a video editing program. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just constantly be able to learn these things. It's not that I think that I'm going to be an expert at Resolve sure. and make that my career, but I also, if I enlist people to work with video, at least know how to talk the talk and that's know right. what to ask for. Yeah. And I think that's something that's, like, kind of respectful as well if you're going to work with other creatives to kind of understand what it takes. Yeah. But you also might find that you love video more than you love photography. Yeah, maybe. You never know. I mean, you I, never know. I think it's they're they're very um, hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, I like I like uh, I like the emotional part of photography. So yeah. I think that video. I haven't even really been up. I've just kind of started to broach this. So I think sure. that I could explore that. Well, didn't you do something for Mary Mecca? We're doing that. Yeah, we're working on that now. It's like okay. kind of. Um, it's a pretty epic project. Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're well, three continents and yeah, f- like four. 
I, we're going, we, uh, we did one here and we did one in Stockholm. We did one in Australia and we're going to do one in uh, Japan. Wow, that's and, amazing. Yeah, and I think in Shanghai as well. Maybe we're like, we're like it depends on the, the talents that we, mm-hmm. we decide to. But it's, it's a huge, it's a part of the um, Marameco uh, social strategy for 2019 and it's just about me uh, well, finding these creative talents and then exploring yeah. their careers and and we make videos and stills a little team that's cool hustling around the world yeah it's <laughs> it's it's very rewarding that's awesome mm. well zanita thanks so much for joining thank us you. today it's thank you thank you this is really time. i feel like we could keep talking for hours we definitely could well thanks so much for joining thank us. you this has been fun Great to have Zanita on the podcast. She has some really awesome perspective on the industry as well, having been in it for a long time and seen it from every different angle, whether it is as a model, whether it was as an influencer, and now as an influencer and somebody on the production side. One thing I wanted to zone in on a little bit that we talked about and that Zanita has actually practiced throughout her whole career is giving yourself time and space to explore your creativity. You never really know what you're going to find when you do that. This is something that we talk about in our guide to new influencers on throwbusiness.com. But it's also true for established influencers as well. You really never know what you're going to find and what's going to resonate with you. So allow yourself to explore. And at the very least, you will find some new inspiration for the existing work that you already do. Make sure you go to Instagram and follow Zanita on Instagram. Her handle is Zanita Zanita. That's Z-A-N. I-T-A-Z-A-N-I-T-A. That's her Instagram handle. And also check out her production company. They have some amazing work posted on their site. Their portfolio is incredible. You really should go check it out. And that's gz-digital.com. gz-digital.com. And for all of this and more, make sure you check out trovebusiness.com. For everything, not only do we have all of these podcasts posted, we have all of our articles, a ton of different content. We also just recently launched our partners portal where you can find all of these amazing businesses that we think will help you run your businesses more efficiently. An example, Bench Accounting. Talked about them on the last podcast. If you hate taxes and bookkeeping as much as I do, Bench Accounting is really the way to go. They will take all of that stress and anxiety out of your life. And come tax time, all you have to do is download the file that they send you and send it to your CPA. To find out more about Bench specifically, go to bench.co forward slash partner forward slash trove. That's bench.co forward slash partner forward slash trove. Once again, this has been Influencer Business. I'm your host, Rich Scudelari, and looking forward to seeing you next time.